This is week number 10 of the Revelation, uh, the countdown to the kingdom. Uh, it's week 10, so we want you to catch up there. But basically, what we saw last week, if you weren't here, was um, a pretty cool thing. Um, Revelation chapter 6 is, uh, obviously, 6 comes out right after 4 and 5. Uh, that's uh, breaking news, right? Uh, four, chapter 4 and 5 is the scene in heaven right after the rapture. Okay, chapter 4, verse 1 is the rapture of the church. Okay, then the church is in heaven, the Holy Spirit. The Bible says uh, the entirety, uh, 100% of the Holy Spirit, the, the seven spirits of God uh, are in heaven. So the Holy Spirit is taken off the earth. The, the, in, who in, embodies the, the, the bodies of the Christians. So we're gone, chapter 4, verse 1. Then there's a scene in heaven where Jesus steps up to take the scroll or the book uh, that is sealed with seven seals, okay? And there's se- it's a seven-sealed book, and I want you to think of, of kind of like a, uh, a, a paper that is rolled up uh, and, uh, you know, rolled up like that and then sealed, with uh, wax sealed uh, down through there, and it, Jesus is going to open one seal, and then certain events take place on the earth. He'll open another seal, things will happen. So that's chapter 4 and 5, he takes the book. And chapter number 6 is when he begins to open the seals. So that is the beginning of what we would call the tribulation period, chapter number 6, Revelation chapter 6. And um, I want to clarify something because it's a question that I've asked myself over the years, and I've had conversations with people, so I want to clarify because I think it'll help you. Um, a lot of a lot of times, people wonder how Revelation is structured, right? Okay, so we we understand pretty well that Revelation chapter one is uh, John said that's the, the 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 things that you have seen. The chapter two and three is the church age. Chapter two and three the the things that are, and then chapter four on is the things that shall be hereafter after the church age. So we, we, I feel like we, we understand that pretty good. But how are we supposed to just start at chapter 4 and read straight through, and it just chronologically, that's how it happens, okay? So you have seven seals uh, that are in chapter number 6, and then in, in, in chapter 7, and then 8, 9. Does it just sequentially go right in order chronologically? And the answer is that some parts of it do, but some parts of it bounce around and kind of recap what you read in a previous chapter, if, if that makes sense. How many were here for the Daniel series that we did last year, Daniel? Remember how Daniel chapter, like, um, I gave you the outline, and it's like, you know, this, this chapter, you got to move back chronologically. It doesn't come, it, it's not 1 through 12, and it happened in that order. Uh, it, it, you know, in fact, some of them are prophetic, some of them are narrative, historical, uh, and, and they kind of bounce around. So that's what I want you to, to understand tonight is that Revelation, for, for the most part, it is headed toward a, a climax. Chapter 19 is the, the second coming of Christ, okay? Chapter 6 is the beginning of tribulation. But, what, and we're going to see one of these chapters tonight, chapter number 7 is kind of a, um, it's kind of chapter number 6 from a different viewpoint. That makes sense. Uh, if, you re- if you ever read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, okay, what is that? This might help you. It's the story of Jesus from a different viewpoint, okay? Matthew's viewpoint, Luke's viewpoint, John's viewpoint. Over and over in the book of John, what does it say? It says uh, that the disciple whom Jesus loved, who's John talking about? He's talking about him, right? Okay, he referred to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved, okay? He looked at things 
different than Matthew. Okay, so there's, there's now, everything it doesn't contradict, but, it, but it's a different viewpoint. Now, think about this, and I heard this one time, and it, and it helped me. If you were to write like a history of World War I or World War II, right, would you be able to sit down in chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5 and just carry on and write it in chronological order? No, you couldn't you would have to lay the, the, the story out and you'd have to say, okay, in America, this is what's going on. In Europe, this is what's going on, okay? And you'd have to lay it out. You'd have to bounce around from Germany to London. You'd have to find out what Hitler's doing, what, while, what Churchill's doing, what uh, Roosevelt's doing, right? You'd have to bounce around and tell it from a different narrative. You, could, you would have to jump from the Eastern theater to the Western theater, to the Pacific all the way, uh, you, I mean, you'd have to bounce around. You couldn't just sit down and tell it. You'd have to provide context. Hey, while this is going on, right, this is going on. That's how I want you to look at Revelation, okay? And I should have said that last week because I wanted to provide clarity, and I don't want to confuse you, okay? But Revelation chapter 6 begins the tribulation period. And I challenge you to do a study here, okay? I challenge you to overlay Revelation chapter 6 and Matthew chapter 24, okay? Matthew chapter 24, the first 13 verses of Matthew chapter 24 um, are basically the events of Revelation chapter 6. And when you overlay them, okay, you hear of wars and rumors of wars. You hear of nations rising against nations, uh, kingdom against kingdoms. You hear of pestilences, famines, uh, uh, earthquakes. And then you go read chapter number 6. It begins with peace but there's rumors of war because you got a rider on a white horse who has a bow, but he doesn't have any arrows, but he's posturing militarily and power-wise, okay? And power is given unto him. Then you see there is, okay, so we see the white horse. That's the first thing. How, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, everybody familiar? Okay, first horse, the white horse, okay? Uh, the, the rider shows up, has a bow, no arrows. He is posturing, okay? He is not, uh, it's not a full-blown war yet, okay? But he's posturing for it. Remember, the raptures just happened. The world is in chaos, okay? A billion people, maybe more, just disappeared, okay? Uh, They're trying to explain this away in a lot of different ways, okay? And there's a power vacuum. People are trying uh, uh, to fill that vacuum, and the Antichrist, the one that will be the Antichrist, powered by the dragon, falls into that conversation, okay? Now, the, the second horse is the red horse, Bible says that the red horse is given a sword. He's given a, uh, the, the right, and he's given power to take peace from the earth. So if you go from a time of peace to a time of peace being taken from the whole earth, what do we call that? We call that a world war, okay? There is no peace on earth. It is taken from the earth. So the, the, the tribulation begins with peace at first. That we know from the book of Daniel there's a a peace agreement between the Antichrist and the Jewish people, okay? But then we see at the second seal in, in Revelation chapter 6, and I know this is complicated stuff, right? That's why you need to be a note taker so you can visualize it and see it and, 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 and write it out and write those key words that jog your memory. But the second horse is a world war, okay? There's no peace on earth. The third horse is a black horse that comes. The rider on the black horse has a scale, okay? has a scale. A scale, we kind of equate a scale, like if you walked into a courtroom, you might see a scale or a, a picture of a scale behind the judge's 
uh, desk up there uh, or something. It represents justice, things like that. Well, in Bible times, a scale was <clears throat> if you were paying in silver or gold or whatever the, the currency was, okay, um, you, if you were a, uh, um, a, a person running a business, if you had a copper coin or, or, or a silver coin, a gold coin, that they, they could shave off little bits of that gold and make it less weighty. So what they did was they would take a, a regular coin and they would weigh it to see if you had shaved it off. Because if you shave a little bit off this coin and the next coin and the next coin, you got a lot of gold and you could, you could cheat people like that. So they used a scale to make sure that it was balanced. So when the Bible says there's a black horse with a scale, and then there's voices crying saying, hey, this much wheat for a penny, this much barley for a penny, what it is implying is, dear, as a result of the world war, the second seal, what happens? Massive inflation. You cannot, the money doesn't go as far as it should. You can't, what, what, what ought to be a loaf of bread, the wheat and the barley, is going for a penny who in, in Bible times was a day's wages. So imagine if you went and worked, let's say you worked for $10 an hour or $15 an hour and you made $80 to $120. Can you imagine paying that for a loaf of bread? That is what the Bible says, the third seal. It's going to massively, and, and what's that going to result in? Okay, if, if bread and barley and wheat cost that much, what do you think chicken costs? What do you think beef costs? Okay, you, you cannot, so there's going to be massive looting, there's going to be stealing, there's going to be killing, there's going to be all these kinds of stuff going on, okay, and uh, 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 yeah, and, 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 and we're going to be in heaven and people are going to be raiding our houses looking for those uh, long-term sto- uh, food storage, right? Some of you? Yeah, I know, I know, yeah. We're going to have lots of ammo and food, right? And ARs and, and yeah, all that stuff, right? Yeah, I don't know about y'all. I sold all my guns. Uh, yeah, I don't have any. I don't have any. Yeah, guns are bad. So this is what we call hyperinflation, okay? When you can't buy anything, okay? What does that lead to? It leads to massive famine, massive starvation, and then the fourth horse, the fourth seal, is the, the fourth horse. And it's the, the pale horse, as the King James calls it. But it's uh, the, the word chloros in the Greek, and it means green. Okay? And it means green. And, and the Bible says death rides this horse. Okay? So what is a natural result of a world war, massive starvation, food supplies cut short, uh, uh, you, can't get, you can't purchase food, you can't get food, people are starving to death. What's well, a natural uh, result? Death is going to happen. Okay? And who's dying predominantly, right? And we're going to talk about saved people during the tribulation in a minute. But who's dying? It's those who rejected Christ who were not saved at the rapture or they would have went up to Jesus, okay? So it's unsaved people. And if you die, where do you go? You go to Hades, hell at that point, okay? So death and hell followed with him, okay? So it's, it's playing out. This is the opening scene, the first four seals of Revelation. Then the fifth seal happens, and if you look at the fifth seal, it is, uh, the, the Bible says, it is the, the, the testimony of the martyrs who are in heaven. John looks and he sees uh, these souls who are in heaven, and they've been martyred for the testimony that they have uh, for Jesus Christ. 
which tells us a couple things. First of all, the rapture happened chapter 4, so everybody was out of here that was saved. Nobody was saved on the earth. But then sometime between the rapture and the, and the fifth seal, people have gotten saved, right? And they've been killed. And now they are in heaven because they got killed by the people who live on the earth. That makes sense? Okay. The Bible says uh, that the, they're, they're killed for the, the, the slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. These are the first of the tribulation martyrs. Jesus predicted this. And all of this is Matthew 24, uh, verses 1 through 13. They're clothed in white ro uh, robes. They're, they're saved. They, they're asking God, by the way, when they're in heaven, how long until you avenge our death, basically. And he says, look, there's more people have to die on the earth before. Uh, so you got to wait. You got to sit tight. There's more people who are going to be martyred. And, he, and that's what he tells them in the fifth seal. Then the sixth seal, which is the last one, and we're going to jump into new territory tonight. The sixth seal is the great earthquake. The sun goes black, the moon goes as blood, and the stars of heaven fall to earth. Okay? Now, I want you to think about this. And uh, I did some fact-checking, uh, and I want you to, to understand this, okay? Uh, there's a massive earthquake, okay? A great earthquake. That's biblical for massive, all right? Uh, at, the, at the beginning of the tribulation period, okay, the sun goes black. The sun, you know, we're not talking about an eclipse. The Bible says it goes black as black as sackcloth of ash. And the moon becomes as blood, okay? It is my belief that here, <clears throat> the first five seals we're talking about, uh, uh, you know, uh, peace, then war, then famine and starvation, sickness. Then we're talking about uh, 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 death and hell and, and martyrdom. All of those things we've seen before, Okay. We've seen it in World War II. We saw it with Hitler, okay? You saw massive starvation. You saw massive war. You saw massive death, okay? In, in, in World War I, you saw 40 million people die. If you count up those who died in battle and those who died of starvation and death around the world. In World War II, you saw about double that, about 80, okay? When you add up everybody affected by it, starvation, everything, okay? Casualties, uh, uh, civilians, all that kind of stuff. So it, it progressively got worse from World War I to World War II, and here it is going to take a massive leap because the Bible says as a result of these six seals, one-fourth of the world's population is killed. That's what we find in Revelation chapter 6. Okay. If, if, if we just took the current population, that would be pushing 2 billion people would die as a result of war, famine, starvation, sickness, disease, things like that. That is a massive, the world's never seen anything like that. But the sixth seal starts talking about things like the sun, going black. We've never seen that. The moon becoming like blood. Stars of heaven falling from the sky. Okay? These are things that we've never seen before. And I'm going to touch on that stars falling from heaven when we get to chapter number 12 because I think that that is not uh, it, sometimes angels are referred to as stars in the Bible and I believe that you can make a strong case uh, that this is the time that Satan and his angels are limited and held to earth and they're cast down to earth. That's what it, the Bible says in Revelation 12, that the devil and his angels are cast down to the earth and they wreak havoc on the earth because they know they have a short time left. That's it. And people say, well, Brandon, the devil's already been cast out of heaven. The verses that we base that on has not happened yet. Yes, he rebelled and was, was cast out, but he still has access to heaven. But in the, at the end, he will not be allowed to access heaven anymore. He'll be limited to the earth. Right now, Satan has access not only to this earth, but to outer space 
and to where God is. He goes there and accuses the brethren, the Bible says, and Jesus is your intercessor that defends you to him and against him. Jesus is your lawyer. Do you see what I'm saying, though? So a lot of this stuff, okay, uh, that 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 we're gonna we're gonna talk about, and we're gonna talk about a couple another one of these things. You, you hear these preconceived notions like, well, the devil and a third of the angels rebelled. Well, yes, the devil rebelled, but the the part about him being cast to the to the earth, okay, that part hasn't happened yet. Revelation chapter twelve. Okay, how many have ever heard that the gospel must be preached all over the world before the end comes? Okay, you're gonna find out tonight the truth behind that statement. Okay. Uh, and we're going to look at that from Matthew chapter 24, verse 13. Okay. Now, so this, this, what we're dealing with in the sixth seal goes from things we've seen before to things we've never seen. Okay. And the people pick up very quickly because the Bible says, and this, this may be the, the, uh, I, I don't want to use the word freaky, but I, for lack of a better term, I guess I will. The Bible says that the, the heaven is rolled back like a scroll and the people on earth are hiding themselves in the caves after these first six seals, they're hiding themselves in the caves of the earth, in the mountains, saying mountains fall on us and hide us from the face of the one that sits on the throne and from the lamb, the wrath of the lamb. I don't know about you, but I'm a literalist when it comes to the Bible, and the Bible says that the heavens are rolled back and people are saying, hide us from the face of, of the one that sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb. I think something happens and they realize, they even see perhaps that this is coming. This is not natural disasters. This is coming from God. This is the wrath of God being poured out on the earth. And, and, and uh, they, they want to be, to be hid from it. Now, um, go to chapter number seven, verse number one. We pick up there. So that's the after the sixth seal. Now, I wanna, there's a couple of different ways to look at chapter 7, verse number 1, and there's not a lot of verses in this chapter. There's only 17 verses, and we're going to look at it bite by bite, uh, a few verses at a time. But I want you to look here. Um, how many understand that chapter divisions and verse divisions were not in the original text of Scripture? They were added by man so we can keep, our, keep up, right, uh, with where we're going. Uh, other words, I've told people before, if you wouldn't know where I'm preaching from. I would just say, open to about halfway and then skip over a couple pages and start looking for these words. I mean, it would take me forever to get you to the scripture, right? So thank God for chapter divisions. But sometimes there's unfortunate chapter divisions because man did it, okay? Now, here's what I want you to understand. The sixth seal opens at the end of chapter six, and then the Bible says at the, at the first verse of chapter seven, and after these things. So Clearly, there's a connection made right away at chapter 7, verse 1 with what just happened at, at 6. It's picking up where that left off, okay? You might even say there are some people that, that would group chapter 7, verse number 1, uh, uh, 1 through 3, in with the sixth seal that was open. I want you to see this. And after these things, I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, okay? Holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. So there's four angels on the four corners of the earth, basically holding back the winds that blow on the earth. Okay. The next verse, verse number two says, and I saw another angel ascending from the east. So there's four angels holding back the wind, and another angel shows up, and John sees it, and here's what it says. Uh, and I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. Now notice that, the seal of the living God, 
okay? And he cried, the angel that has the seal, and he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea, okay? So here's four angels. They're holding back the four winds of the earth, and what they're going to do is they're not going to allow the wind to blow on the earth at all, the Bible says. But this angel who has the seal of God shows up, and he speaks to these four angels to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea, and here's what he says, saying, hurt not the earth, neither the sea nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads, okay? So these four angels that are going to cause it, not the wind not to blow, are told, don't do that until the seal of God is placed on the forehead of the servants of God. Now, this tells us a couple things, okay? First of all, this tells us that people, <clears throat> this is the beginning of the tribulation period, there are people who are going to come to faith in God. They are going to believe in God and be the servants of God. They are going to be born again, and the Bible says that they are going to be sealed by God. Everybody see that? Now, here's what you got to connect yourself with. I want to show you a verse in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, Paul writing to the church at Ephesus. Look at this verse. In whom ye also trusted, how many know that you trusted Jesus when he got saved, right? You trusted Jesus. Ye trusted after that you heard the word of truth. You trusted Jesus after you were told the truth, right? Okay. The Bible says the gospel of your salvation in whom also after that ye believed, ye were what? Sealed. You and I are sealed tonight. Did you know that? You're sealed. I used to load uh, uh, um, over-the-road tractor trailers, okay, with a forklift when I was in Bible college, high and tight, and you, uh, uh, you'd stack those pallets on, and you would, you would stack freight, and you loaded freight, got, got paid by how much freight you moved, okay? So we moved fast. We drove forklifts like crazy people, okay? That's what we did because we made more money, and we, we, we would move that freight out. Now, if I loaded a truck that was going to L.A. from Chicago, okay, you, you loaded that truck. <clears throat> I didn't do this part, but the, somebody would come back. The, the driver would close that, uh, that door, and he would take a cable seal, and he would put it on the back of that truck, run it down through there, and he would, and he would seal that off. Now, if he gets to L.A. And, he, and that seal is broken, then somebody has tampered with that load, okay? Then if something's missing, right, we got to figure out what in the world happened. But if he gets in, in, into L.A. with that seal intact, nobody's tampered with that load. The Bible says when you heard the word of truth and you believed in Jesus, the Holy Spirit moved into your life, and his, one of his roles is he sealed you and ain't nobody allowed to mess with you forever. Amen? Okay? You cannot be tampered with. Once you are sealed by the Holy Spirit of God and you shook God's hand uh, metaphorically and he, you took him at his word and he gave you his promise and made a covenant with you, then there is no getting out of that covenant. You are sealed. And the way you are sealed is with the Holy Spirit of God. In fact, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit gives you, the, 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 God gives you the Holy Spirit, which is his earnest guaranteeing the promise. Okay, if you've ever bought a house and put earnest money down, okay, God gave you earnest money guaranteeing you heaven, and it's called the Holy Spirit. That's what the Bible says. Now, apparently, at the rapture, obviously, we leave, right? We leave. We're sealed with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, what? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit 
tabernacles inside the believer. So when the believer is raptured, the Holy Spirit is taken from the earth. Okay? But people begin to get saved, we see in chapter number 7, on the earth. How God does this exactly, how he begins it, we don't fully understand. I've got some theories, and we'll talk about those, uh, but I, I don't want to be too dogmatic on it. But people begin to be saved. And when they are saved, they are sealed. And the Bible says in this seven-year period, they are sealed in their what? In their forehead. Okay, That word forehead there is a, is a Greek word, all right? And it, it is the word metopon, M-E-T-O-P-O-N, Greek word 3359, and it means the space between the eyes, okay? There is a seal that happens there. Now, you say, Brandon, what in the world does that mean? I don't fully, I don't know. Can I show you this though? Genesis chapter number four, verse number 15. Remember when Cain killed Abel? Remember that? What did God do to him so nobody was allowed to hurt him? And the Lord said unto him, talking to Cain, therefore whomsoever, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a what? A mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. God marked Cain. Okay? Apparently, God is going to mark somehow in the forehead those who are believers. All right? Now, fast forward a little bit. Let's jump ahead, and I want to I just tweak your interest a little bit. Everything that God does, Satan copies. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. The dragon, the devil. The beast, the Antichrist. The false prophet. It's an unholy trinity that we're going to see. Okay? God seals the believers in their forehead. What does he do? Mark of the beast. Mark of the beast. Let's look. Revelation chapter 13. Let me show you one verse here. Verse number 16. Here's what the beast does, and we'll see this in a little while when we get there, and he, in, a, in about three years. Okay? And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a what? A mark. In their right hand or in their foreheads. Could it be that this is just a copycat of how God marked the believers? So if you're on God, if you're, if, if you're saved, you get marked this way. But if you're on the Antichrist team, you get marked this way. Okay? So uh, that's, that's just an interesting note. Now, let's look here. So these four angels are told not, not until the sealing happens, until the sealing of, these, uh, of, of, of those who are going to start believing, don't harm the earth. Now, <clears throat> We don't really understand this, and we, don't, we just kind of blow past this. But do you understand that if no wind blew on the earth, it would seriously disrupt life on the earth? Our whole water cycle and everything is tied to wind. Now, here's what I checked on from secular sources, okay? What have we seen in chapter number 6? We saw, okay, the sixth seal, remember, the sun as black as sackcloth, the moon as blood. You remember? Giant earthquakes. They're hiding in the ground. And I said this last week, and, and I want you to understand this. The sun goes black at the beginning of the tribulation, when, when, in the beginning days of the tribulation, you know, weeks, months, whatever it is. But the first part of the tribulation period, the sun goes black, okay? 
doesn't shine. It doesn't stay that way. Because later on, we see the sun shining and a third part of it goes black. So this is a temporary thing that happens. But can you, they tell me, and I, I did some research on this from, from uh, bigwigs that know what they're talking about when the scientific community, right? Okay, If you did not have sunlight for a month, the, the temperature of the planet just drops drastically. So could that be why they're hiding in the mountains and the caves? Because it's so cold on the face of the earth. Because the sun hadn't been shining. But then get this. If the sun doesn't shine, guess what doesn't blow? Wind is directly related to the sun. Let me read you a quote I pulled out of an article. Okay that I was researching from October 15th, 2009 from National Geographic. Here's what it says. The energy that drives wind originates with the sun, which heats the earth unevenly, creating warm spots and cool spots, and it creates wind. National Geographic. Okay, so you can dig into that more if you want, but the sun is directly related to wind. So if the sun isn't shining and goes black, it's going to affect the wind, but here we understand it's not just the sun affecting it. It is God doing all of these things and the angels involved. This is judgment coming from God on the earth, okay? Now, go back to chapter number seven, verse number four. Now, who, okay, so there's people getting saved and they're sealed in their foreheads. Who in the world are they? How many have ever heard of the 144,000? 144,000. There's all kinds of denominations and belief systems. Probably the most prevalent would be Jehovah's Witnesses that used to teach that they were the 144,000. But then their membership grew to more than 144,000, and so they had to, to change what they believe. Okay? They're not part of the 144,000. The 144,000 are people who are saved during the tribulation. So if you're a believer on this side of the tribulation, and it hadn't started yet, then if the, if the tribulation happens... You're already gone because you went up in the rapture. So there's no way that you can be part of the 144,000. You are not part of the 144,000, okay? Let me just say that right out of the gate. Who are the 144,000? Watch what it says, verse 4. And I heard the number of them which were sealed. So how many were sealed the way God sealed in the foreheads? It says, and there were sealed in 144,000, watch this, of all the tribes of the children of Israel. It doesn't get more clear than that. Who is sealed? There's 144,000, okay? We find out later in chapter number 14 that these are males and they're virgins. That's what it says. But there's 144,000 children of Israel that are sealed during the tribulation. They come to faith, okay? Now, how do they come to faith? We're going to get into that because there's some kind of some thought processes involving maybe the two witnesses and things like that that kind of maybe gets things started. We don't know, okay? But 144,000 Jewish descendants of Abraham, children of Israel, Jews, whatever you want to call it, okay? Uh, uh, children of Israel, okay? Now look at this. Verse 5, of the tribe of Judah were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Reuben were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Gad were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Asher were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Nephthalim were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Manasseh were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Simeon were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Levi were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Issachar were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Zebulon were sealed 12,000 of the tribe of Joseph were sealed 12,000 of the tribe of Benjamin were sealed 12,000. So 144,000. Now, watch what it says. 
these are 144,000, and we know that they are basically preachers and going out and spreading the gospel during the tribulation period. They get saved, and they start to spread the gospel. And it talks about them throughout Revelation, and we'll touch on it when we get there. But here, these 144,000 get saved, and then watch what John sees. So there's, there, there's 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes of Israel. How many know there's 12 tribes of Israel? Okay, they are the, the there's, okay, there was Abraham. I, Abraham had a son named Isaac. Isaac had a son named Jacob. Jacob's name was changed to what? Israel. How many sons did Jacob have? 12, okay? Now, um, if you, uh, well, we, we won't get into it. Did you know God counts differently at certain times of the Bible how many tribes there are? Sometimes there's 13, sometimes there's 12, because Joseph's sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, he counts as, as a tribe, okay? And, and so sometimes when you'll see a list of the 12 tribes, he'll exclude uh, somebody, and here he excludes Dan, okay? Uh, Dan is not listed in there, but Joseph's sons are listed in there. So uh, we won't go down that trail tonight, okay, why, why he does that. But um, Dan entered into uh, Baal worship and, and things like that, and, and maybe that's why, I don't know. Uh, but uh, he's not listed here. So John sees in this tribulation. Now remember, okay, chapter 6, all these seals are un unveiling. Here's what I want you to understand about 7. Chapter 7 is going on while chapter 6 is playing out. People are getting saved, okay? At some point in the first part of the, of the seven years, people begin to get saved. Again, there's 144,000. And then watch what John sees. Watch this. After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes. Does that ring a bell, church? Clothed with white robes means what? It means saved, salvation, righteousness, okay? We've talked about that at length in chapter 2 and 3. Clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. So all these people, John sees, right? A great multitude, you couldn't even count them, from every nation, kindred, and people, and tongue. Now, is that talking about Jews only? It's talking about everybody. So, I want to draw, this is an interesting point, okay? How many have ever read in the New Testament where it says, okay, to the Jew first, but also to the Gentile? You know how salvation came? To the Jew first, and also to the Gentile. We are grafted in, right? That's the mystery of the church. The door was opened up not only to the Jew, but to the Gentile. Guess what God does during the tribulation? He begins with the Jew, and it opens up to everybody. And guess who gets saved? a multitude that no man could number. How many are going to get saved during the tribulation period? A whole ton of people. So don't let anybody ever tell you nobody can get saved during the tribulation period, okay? You can get saved during the tribulation period. I would not recommend waiting. Okay, you got a one in four shot of making it through six seals. Okay, it's not going to be good, all right? Now, all right, so, so here's this multitude. Now, let me, let me show you a verse real quick. 
and I don't have this in there, Thomas, so forgive me, but I want to show you a verse, because Matthew chapter 24 is Jesus teaching us about the end times from his words, and I want to show you a verse, okay? Matthew 24, verse number 13. Jesus is describing, how many have heard this verse? And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. I've had people tell me all, you know, that every corner of the earth is going to hear the gospel, right, before the end can come, okay? They get that from that verse. That verse, Jesus is talking about the tribulation period, that the, the gospel is going to go everywhere in the world during that tribulation period, okay? And then the end comes. The end of what? The end of that 70th week, the end of the world, okay? But it can't come until the gospel is preached everywhere. Okay, so that it's technically right. It's not talking about right now. It's talking about during the tribulation period. Does that clarify that a little bit? Okay, now, so these people are, are saved. Now, watch this. So they're in, in verse 10, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. So now, these folks who have been saved are in heaven. Okay, and they're singing to the Lamb. If you are in heaven, you are what? Dead. You're not on the earth anymore, right? You have died. You have been martyred or you have been raptured, but you are dead, okay? As far as what we're talking about in relation to the earth. And all the angels stood round about the throne and about the elders and the four beasts and fell before the throne on their faces. Now, I'm not sure there if it's talking about all the angels in heaven or the, the angels at the beginning of the chapter, okay? I, I don't know. I'd welcome your thoughts on that. And fell before the throne on their faces and worshiped God saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. Now watch this. And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes? So one of the elders. How many elders are are in the throne room of God? 24. Y'all are smart. Okay, 24. Okay. One of the elders says to John, What does this mean? All these people are arrayed in white robes, okay? And I like John's answer. He, and I said unto him, sir, thou knowest. You ever not sure of the answer and you just want to be told what the answer is and you don't want to chime in and tell it, right? That's what John says. Somebody in heaven's like, who, who do you think those are? Well, you tell me, right? I'll take your word for it. What are these which are arrayed in white robes? Sir, thou knowest. And he, uh, and he said to me, watch this. Here's where we find out about who these people are in heaven. These are they which came out of what? Great tribulation. And have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. These are people who are saved of the, on the earth. Now, let me say something to you. And I want to be, uh, this is a technicality, but I want to, want to do it. This is one of those instances where, where you can't say the book of Revelation is necessarily just chronological in order. Okay? Because John is seeing... All right, watch this. He is seeing all these martyrs in heaven, okay? And chapter 6 and the first part of chapter 7 are dealing with the first half, the first part of the seven years. That's where we're at chronologically. But then he sees all these people who have died, and the Bible says that these martyrs have come out of great tribulation. If you, if you look up those words, great tribulation, that refers specifically to the last three and a half years. So John is actually seeing, so I'm not trying to confuse you, but in chapter 7, John zooms 
all the way to the end. And that's how you've got to understand that. He's seeing all the martyrs who's going to be killed. A, a, there's going to be so many people saved during the tribulation that you can't count them from every nation. And at the end, when John is asked, that is at the end of the seven years. Does that make sense to you? We have fast-forwarded there to the end. And then John's saying, all these came out of a great tribulation. So that tells us a couple things. Martyrdom is going to happen all throughout the seven years, but it's going to intensify during the last three and a half years, the great tribulation. Let me illustrate what I'm, what I'm and take this a step further. Watch this, because here's what he says. They washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. Okay? And he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. Notice this. So these people have been martyred from off the earth during the tribulation. Where are they? Watch this. They are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. These people who have died, I want, I want you to point out, I want to point out something here. They're in heaven. There is a temple there. We had a temple here, right? That had an altar and a laver. And you go in, it had the candlesticks and all this, and it had the mercy seat and the presence of God, the uh, Shekinah glory, all that kind of stuff. That is a representation of what heaven is really like with God the Father and the, and the glory of God being ever present there. And there's, a, there's an altar there. There's all that. And who is, it says, they serve him day and night in his temple. And here's what I want you to understand. And I made mention of this a couple of weeks ago. I believe that when you die right now, and you go to heaven, okay, God has a specific role for you to play. You're serving him in his work day and night. We see these folks who've died during the tribulation. God puts them right to work. You say, man, I'm going to go to heaven. I'm going to have to work. Did you know that God gave Adam and Eve a job before they ever sinned? Your job is not a curse. In fact, you need something productive to do, right? God wants to put you to work. God, that's, that's what God did. He gave Adam and Eve. He said, tend the garden. Okay? Take care of it. Name the animals. Do all that stuff. Then they sin. All right? We got a generation coming up now that needs to understand that work is not a curse. In fact, you need something to do with your time. If you sit around and you don't have anything to do with your time, I talk to so many people that get in trouble because they don't have nothing to do. Okay? I've told people before, well, I'm, I'm addicted to this, addicted to that. What do I need to do? How do I need to stop it? You need to get a part-time job. You get off work at 3 and you got from 3 to 10 off. Go get another job. Well, I don't want to get another job. Do you want to you you break this addiction or not? Okay? you got too much time on your hands. Okay? Now, don't mean to get preachy, but in heaven, it appears that you're put to work. In the throne room in chapter, I think it's four, the, the saints are carrying the prayers to God in cups or bowls of incense to God, to the presence of God. That's kind of a cool scene to me. Because your prayers that are prayed from here make it to God. They're a sweet-smelling aroma in his nostrils. But who's bringing those prayers? It's those who've gone on before. That's what chapter 4, I can't build a whole doctrine around it, but that's what it says. That's what it says. What's my loved one doing in heaven? I don't know, but I don't think, 
I, I've got more theological backing to back that viewpoint than you do that they're playing harps riding on clouds. And don't get me started on you folks who say that your loved one is now an angel, okay? Don't get me started on that. Your loved one does not turn into an angel when you die. Angels are angels, and humans are humans, right? Okay? And watch this. How do I know that John fast-forwards all, all the way to the end? Here's what he says. Therefore are they before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple, and he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun light on them nor any heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them unto living fountains of waters, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Does that language sound familiar? That's like wrap-up language at the end. So John zooms ahead here. So chapter 7 is in the first half of the tribulation, and then when you get to the end, he kind of zooms ahead and kind of tells you, it's kind of like Daniel. Daniel will be like, I saw a beast. And then he'll be like, I beheld until the ancient of days broke the beast and set up his kingdom and ruled forever. And you're all in one chapter and you just went from like the beast to like the end. You see what I'm saying? So you, you got to kind of break it down and make sure. And, and, and a lot of times, here's what God will do. He'll, he'll tell John to write this in such a way that he'll give you some key language. Okay? Like, in a couple chapters, we're going to get into to language that's like uh, three-and-a-half-year language, 1,260-day language, stuff like that. We know that we're at the midpoint when we get into that kind of language because that's the kind of language Jesus used in, in when you shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet. We know that that happens in the middle of the week, it says, in the middle of the seven years. So all this, there, there's language, there's key indicators that tell you where you are chronologically, but you kind of got to back up and understand that sometimes they bounce around a little bit. Does that make sense? Because I've all, that's one of the biggest questions I always had about Revelation. How did it chronologically lay it out? And it's kind of tough, but you got to kind of take it bite by bite. Now, I want to show you, um, I want to show you uh, one more verse tonight. And I can't believe this is the case, uh, but I, I'm going to have a little time for questions uh, tonight. So if you do have a question, uh, we are going to have time. I've never, it's 15 till, and I don't know what's wrong with me. Okay. Uh, so um, anyway, I'm going to cover. Uh, chapter number um, 8, verse number 1, okay? And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour, okay? Um, the old preacher said, he said, I can prove to you that men go a half an hour before women to heaven. Somebody said, why? And he said, because there was silence in heaven for the space half an hour. He said that I didn't. I would never say something like that. Some of you are too tired to get it. Yeah. The seventh seal. Now, how many, how many seals are there? Seven seals. Okay. Now, chapter number six, we see six of them. Okay. Now, chapter Seven that we just covered, we don't see any of them, right? We just kind of see a recap, and it's a different viewpoint of what's going on during those six seals. Now, when you get to the seventh seal, okay, um, I'll, I'll use an illustration. Miss Susan, you gave me a load of Cadbury eggs this year, okay? Miss Susan would bring like suitcases full of Cadbury eggs to church. 
Okay? Now, it wasn't suitcases, but it was little cases. And there would be case after case. There would be caramel ones. And, and we're almost to Cadbury season. And I just wanted to drop a little uh, little note. Uh, but uh, uh, no, we I've got these cases at home. And there's one this size. And then there's one this size. And there's one this size. And, and inside there, I'd come down here and there'd be a case. And I'd open it up. And I gave so many kids Cadbury eggs. And my kids ate them. And I gave kids Cadbury eggs on their birthdays. And I mean, I was kind of crazy. Because I couldn't eat them all. Uh, but uh, I tried. But, but, but my point was, these little cases that she would sometimes give them in would fit inside of one another. There would be a case this size, there'd be a case this size, there'd be a case this size. The book of Revelation is kind of structured like that. There's seven seals, okay? You go through six seals, and then the seventh sounds, chapter 8, verse 1, and when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. I'm going to show you this. And I saw the seven angels, uh, verse 2, and I saw the seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven what? Trumpets. Okay? So, seven seals. When you get to the seventh seal, what do you have? The seventh seal opens, you have silence. And then there are seven angels that step up to take seven trumpets and begin to blow those. What are they? So the seven seals... Open up the seven trumpets. And guess what happens when you get to the end of the seven trumpets? The seventh trumpets opened up seven bowls full of the wrath of God. The last plague, the Bible says. So that's at the end. So is it chronological as we go through the trumpets and the or the seals, the seals and the trumpets and the bowls? Yes, it is. It's it's on that trajectory, right? Okay, but that's what I want you to understand. So when you get to the seventh, you're you're almost done. You're practically done, and so it's just opening up. The next, next deal. So we're at the seventh seal, chapter one, or eight, verse one, and it opens up the seven trumpets, okay? Now, chronologically, time-wise, we are still in the beginning to the middle, to the, we're in the first part of the tribulation, the first three and a half years, okay? <clears throat> the tribulation is seven years long, okay? Seven years long, they go by, it goes by a Jewish calendar, 30-day months, okay? 30-day months, not 365. We, we go off of, of a Roman Gregorian calendar, 365 days. Jewish people go off a 360-day calendar, okay? You have to understand that to, to understand Bible prophecy, okay? If you have three and a half years and you multiply that out, it's 1,260 days on the front. It's the first three and a half years, 1,260 days on the end. The Bible actually uses that language. It'll say 1,260 It'll say three and a half years. Sometimes it'll say times, uh, time, times, and half a time. Year, two years, and a half a year. One plus two is three, plus a half is three and a half. It says it two or three different ways, so I want you to be aware of that, okay? So we're going to stop right there. We're at the seventh seal. We're going to start opening up the seven trumpets. Now, here's what I want you to see. You are about to get when you get when you get into the toward the end of the first three and a half years, and the trumpets start to blow, most of the trumpets occur in the first three and a half years. Okay, but what you're going to start to see is that things that are happening on the earth cannot be explained away by natural circumstances. They are from God. They are evil. They are locust. They are demonic. 
They are things coming. I mean, it's, it gets crazy here, and I am going, I, I'm going to uh, lay this out in, 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 in the least, uh, uh, in the best way that I can, and I uh, want you to understand that. And we're going to pick up there uh, next week uh, with, the, with the seven trumpets.